right, guys. Coach Clint here with Mr. Mike Brumley. Mike, how you doing today, sir? Great, man. Great, great to be on uh, on your show. Yeah, good deal. No, it's fun to talk. Uh, Mike and I, we know each other a little bit now. We've been, I don't know, know a couple years maybe. Um, it's funny. I was first time I met Mike. I was actually I took my son to basically a little hitting camp or whatever, and uh, and there was a private lesson going on to the side, and uh, I saw this kid just had a beautiful swing, and the hitting instructor with him was wearing batting gloves uh, and was switching <laughs> bats with the guy and doing all these things, and it, my gut instinct is always to be a little skeptical when things are going on. I'm like, man, what are these guys doing? This is really interesting. Like, this kid is just looks amazing, whatever, and uh, I did a little bit of homework. I asked the guy who owned the facility, mm. I'm like, hey, who was, who was working in there last night? And turns out it's uh, Mike Brumman, one of the better hitting coaches alive. I know you don't want me saying that, no, but I appreciate uh, that. but anyway, yeah. So we've been I've been shadowing you ever since then, and I think this is the first time we've done a podcast together, though. So it's been long overdue. So glad to, to get you in here. So. Yeah, it's great. We've been talking about doing something like this, so I'm, it's gonna be great. All right. Well, I guess the the first thing we'll just kind of jump right into it. You know, for those of you who don't don't know, Mike played for what a decade? You know, ten years. Fourteen. So. 14, 14 years. 14 years. Last year, last spring training was my 38th year total. Okay. So I did 14 and I've done 24 on the player development side and all kinds of different jobs from managing to infield coordinator to now outfield, you know, coordinator to, uh, you know, so I've really explored the game in its entirety really and tried to experience as much of it as I could from a firsthand standpoint and being from field coordinator for six years, two with the Dodgers and two with Texas and, you know, so I've really, for me, uh, just not – I'm so curious about the game. And I think that's what's probably enabled me to be uh, – to have some success as a coach and because uh, it wasn't something that was – you know, if you would have asked me – in fact, most guys who I played for – in fact, a couple of guys I've run into over the years and, and they're like, uh, man, of all the players I ever had, I would have never dreamed at all that you would stay in as a coach. And uh, so I'm like, really? Why? You know, I, I guess it was just uh, kind of the intensity that I played with. And, and, you know, I probably was too tense sometimes, you know, coming, being undersized at an early age. And, you know, you kind of learn to, you got you to do what you have to do. And anyway, so I think that curiosity to the game, it's led me a lot of, and down a lot of different roads. And, and now uh, hitting was something that I, you know, got into uh, later on in, in my career, I, you know, always had dabbled in it, but really it was a big challenge to me for what we're doing today, what the guys are up against and, you know, that type of thing. So it was just, I was so curious. It, it just drew me in, I guess. Yeah. I, I've, um, it reminds me of kind of like I've heard with like football coaches that a lot of offensive coordinators and that type of thing have have a background as like a defensive assistant, like getting a well understanding of how a defense works help you you know design an offense and I think of you that way with you know your background it wasn't like you have been a hitting coach strictly for 30 years you've had to manage personalities you've been on the defensive side right. and so you know all of that leads us to today of you know somebody that's been at a high level not just in a batting cage but actually out there you know in the arena and uh, you know just just better off for it so um, so that kind of leads me to the first question I mean the game <laughs> I would say is a little bit different than when you first started the pitching as it is. I mean, it's taken it up a notch. Uh, I mean, what, what are these hitters up against? I mean, how has this game changed? How have you, how do you view that? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I was fortunate, uh, you know, to have my father played 13 years uh, as a professional with the dot. So he started his career in 1957 and ended his career in 1971. Uh, and then, so for me having that, 
knowledge of being around somebody that had been involved in the game in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, and now you know here I am in the 80s, the 90s, 2010, now 2020s. You know, here we go. So I've got this long history of uh, of experience uh, from a lot of different angles and a lot of different thoughts. And you know, and and talking to my father, going back to you know, yeah, you know, you're talking about Sandy Koufax and 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 Bob Gibson's and Drysdale's and you know Whitey Ford, you know, all these great greats of the great games. Uh, just the lineage. I was such a big fan in the '70s. You know, I was a big Oakland fan in the early '70s. I don't even know why. Being from Oklahoma, how did I get there? But <laughs> it was either you liked Oakland or you liked Cincinnati, and I I had a tendency to like Oakland better. Maybe I just yeah, like cool, right? Hey, yeah, I like the uniforms and the long hair. Maybe that was you know that was just part of the gig. You yeah. know. So anyway, um, you know, looking at then going through my career, I started and I signed in '83 after being at, at Texas University of Texas for three years. In the early 80s and got my career started and you know played 14 ended in 96 I set out in 97 when I got back in things were starting to change and then the farther I got in just the more difficult it was you know and I got to the point watching what these guys are up against today and I'm like man I, I don't even know how we did it you know like I look <laughs> at it I, I think my dad you know my dad passed away you know in 16 but I think he felt like all the way up to his death, he could probably hit 240, you know, in, in as a player. I was kind of the opposite. I got almost overwhelmed with how difficult the game was when I, I was like, how did we ever do it? I don't even know how. Right. How do you make contact at 97? You know what I mean? Right. But, um, you know, so I, so I, I really feel for uh, – I think I've maintained the feeling of the frustration as a player and the difficulty behind the game. And I think that's made me really curious. And so, you know, I really entered – my coaching career of really trying to help some kids fulfill their dreams. I think that was my biggest motivation. I, I you know, I really never really liked very many coaches. I, you know, I don't know if it was because my father played and I had a little bit of advanced ideas, even as a kid of what it was. I mean, my little league coaches was Don Demeter, who was the 59 center fielder of the Dodgers. And then we had this pitching coach uh, named Alex Gordy who pitched in Chattanooga double A, you know, back in the day. So every dad that I was around was an ex-player and at a high level. Anyway, so going through that, now football coaches, I enjoyed more. I I don't know if it was just the honesty of that game, uh, you know, getting yelled at and and criticized and threatened. And, you know, it's just the (laughs) style of play. It's a violent sport. You know, it's – you kind of accept it for what it is. You get screamed like that from a baseball coach. It's very offensive and it's very difficult to handle because our game is so much time between performance. Right. I feel, you know, like if I get up to bat, I got to wait eight more hitters to get up there again. Uh, where the other sports, you know, don't don't give you that. I mean, so there's a mental side of preparation and and there's so many things to work on but yet baseball is so difficult because we it's the one sport we really can't practice at full speed you know like football you go out and tough practices on Tuesdays and Wednesdays even at the high school level you know you're hitting like you're feeling same hit you're going to take on Friday night basketball's full speed same same tempo but baseball it's hard to emulate uh you know it's like Oh, I want to work on my outfielders. Well, you can't stand out in center field and, and let me hit you a hundred balls. You'd be just dead tired, and you know we you can't. So there's things you have to really do from an isolation standpoint to shrink the game down a little bit, work on the aspects of it, and then maintain the rhythm of competition. So my thought is understand how you move as an individual. 
but yet when it comes to how do I get you, you know, to compete and enjoy the game, even as the level starts to go up and you're maybe you're overmatched to a certain point, whether it's physically, mentally, experience wise, but yet the joy of going out and competing, that's, I think that's what I try to give players more than anything else. I, I want them to understand who they are, but I also understand this, what's the joy of competition and dealing with everybody talks about the failure in our game, right? I mean, we've all heard it. You know, you failed seven out of ten, you're a Hall of Famer. You know, that's still, you can say all you want, but when you're making outs and you're popping up and you're striking out and you're doing, it's not a fun game. It's just not. And so, I, you know, I've learned over the years to be a big part of uh, some guys' careers at a major level and for them to turn around and sign a $100 million deal and then I get a phone call from a 12-year-old mother saying, hey, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy made the team and, you know, he's playing and, you know, last year he got cut and now he's, he's starting or he made the freshman team after getting cut off the eighth grade team or, you know, these wins to me is, uh, it's, it's what I do. You know, it's the kind, that's what I enjoy probably the most is hearing about the successes of the players and then, and being able to relate to the difficult times, which there's going to be a lot of them in this game. Yeah, no, exactly. I always think like the three out of 10 comes out a lot, right? Uh, you know, comes out from people a lot like, oh, three out of 10, don't worry about it. That's seven outs. Just hang with it. But it never comes three out of 10. I think that'd be tolerable. But yeah. you end up going three for three and then you go 0 oh, for 10. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you just like that three for three felt like half an hour. Uh, no and God, then you had right? like two weekends of feeling terrible about yourself. Yeah. It doesn't, it just, this game just uh, is constantly at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, Anyway, so let's talk specifically, you know, kind of about today's game, right? We've got, um, you know, guys not making the, the, the big league squad that are bringing 98-plus miles an hour. And we've got, um, you know, hitters who are also kind of taking an analytical approach, kind of like from my view of it as an outsider. And I'm kind of curious. I think I know the answer, but I see a lot of guys really, you know, fighting for exit velocities and bat speeds. And we're, we're moving some big movements, you know what I mean, to really kind of counteract this you know the power that's Mm -hmm. coming from the pitching side and i'm i'm curious as to your thought on you know when you see guys really you know focusing as a hitter i should say from the hitting standpoint on you know kind of selling out to be a powerful hitter is it a powerful game and you've got to do that now or or is there a problem that you see you know, uh, you know what I see, and this this was happening a little bit towards towards uh, the middle of my career. I think more than any that, um, you know, baseball kind of you kind of played the role. You know, so if you're a middle infielder, center fielder, catcher, it was about defense and about that was the priority. And then if you hit, that was a bonus. Then you had the you know the big guns, first base, third base, left fielder, right fielder. Then the DH came. Those are your big hitters, and you've got this middle of infield guys that the catcher that's controlling the calling the game, and then the center fielders in charge of the outfield and in the middle. So you had this um, you know different thought towards the roles. I think the players today um, they want to hit for power, and and they want to get a lot of hits. You know, so they're they're wanting they're not wanting one or the other. They're not just selling out to power. Some guys, you know, almost have to because that's their game. But then other guys, you know, I think guys want to do they want to spray the ball around, use the whole field? Absolutely. But they want to hit it off the fence in left center and then hit it off the fence in right center. You know, so there's a high expectation for them of what they enjoy. And I think that's what we have to buy into. You know, I I know for 
you know, hitting a limited amount of home runs in my entire lifetime, <laughs> I really enjoyed the, the, the 61 that I did hit. No doubt. It, you know, so it's like, um, you know, it, does that take me? But And then the pitching side of it, I've spent a lot of time with pitching. Uh, that was a big part of my development as a coach. I wanted to understand pitching as much as any part, even when I was managing, you know, even when I was the infield coordinator, I wanted to understand what they're doing. Well, the philosophy now, spending a lot of time with some of these top, you know, analysts and guys that have got into the game and they've measured success from a lot of different ways and people. Um, and so the philosophy's kind of changed, you know, and they're trying to strike you out. They're not looking for soft contact and they're not looking for you to just – you know, hey, look, can we make this pitch? And the guy hits a ground ball to short. Well, no, that's not particularly what they want to do. Um, they're looking to strike you out. So now the pitching has changed. The velocity has gone up. The locations of what they do. I mean, you hear a lot of pitching coaches say, I'd rather, I'd rather have the guy get 90 feet on a walk than me just throw it right down the middle and have him blast it out there for a double or a homer. And this was my first big experience towards – you know, when I was in Seattle as a coach, I started seeing the transition of the game and how we were being pitched and, and what they were trying to do and, uh, and trying to stay, you know, I mean, our whole lives have been don't give up a 0-2 hit, right? I mean, you know, you've heard pitching coaches, guy gets a 0-2 hit, everybody in the dugout goes crazy. How can we throw that pitch in that situation? You know, so, so, but now it's like, man, they're looking to embarrass you a little bit more than I think normal. And then they've had to grow up, uh, you know, in these select tournaments and traveling all over the country. It's just like right now, you know, like working with the guys I work with, let's say the Atlanta guys like a Dansby Swanson or Austin Riley's or those type of guys. And they've been facing this 90 plus since they were like 15 or 16. You know, it's not that's not that special. But now all of a sudden guys are commanding, you know, now 98 to 101 to 102. I mean, that's that's hard. And the movement has changed. And so, um, and guys are pitching more according to what they do the best than trying to command a bunch of different spots and, you know, dot it on the inside corner and then try to dot it on the way and then throw the breaking ball below the zone. Yeah, that's still part of it, but they really specialize. And now, you know, now the depth of the teams, the depth of the starters, you might, if you can get to the starter and you knock him out of the game in the fifth inning, you might be facing the sixth, seventh, and eighth is a guy who's better than him. You know, so it's like it's very – there's no break in it. Uh, and I think on top of that, because it's so difficult to score at times, you're not going to beat – the good pitchers, they, like anymore, they don't, they're not giving up 15 or 16 hits. And then they're out of the game because they go eight innings, they scatter around some deals, they don't walk anybody, they strike out four or five, but they're giving up a bunch of contact. That's just not out there very much, you know. And uh, so, so it's, it, it has got more difficult. We've had to coach it a long ways. We've had to be more aware how the strike zone has changed, uh, you know, the things that they're doing uh, from an umpire standpoint to how our game is judged. And then you got all these analytic measurements that give you so much information of how a guy handles certain areas and where he's going. So now we got a, we're dealing with a defensive shifting, we're dealing with a pitching thing, we're dealing with having to face multi guys, um, and then they're all coming out of different angles. I mean, there's so much. There's teams that are being built now. They build their bullpens on pitching on just the angle arm angles, not so much the stuff is where they're just looking for have a variety. I mean, so it's it's got in depth, you know, and it's it's not easy. Like you don't see that same. You know, what we used to call kind of that average average guy, you know, 
you don't see him out there a whole lot. It's got a little little fastball, a little slider, a little breaking ball, a little change up. Might throw a knuckleball. You know, like those guys are just, it's kind of gone away and now it's just power on power. Uh, so we've had to make some adjustments. Yeah, it, it almost seems impossible when you watch sometimes. And, um, you know, I play just a very little uh, limited time in the minor leagues and sort of the philosophy that I had and was kind of taught was, you know, maybe look away, you know, look fastball away, adjust for a fastball in or an off speed. And, you know, I thought, I guess the theory behind it back then was that I was prepared for everything. Um, but kind of in hindsight, when I look at it and when I find out how big leaguers hit, is that really that philosophy I was moderately prepared for everything and well prepared for nothing, right? Mm, right. Like I'm sitting here looking outside fastball. That's a great point. And then I'm like fouling it off because I was actually looking for a curveball a little bit too, just in case. Right. So when you, so what do you guys do? Like in 2022 and you're facing the guy that's like, I've got two pitches and they are tough. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you looking more at what you're going to concede that day and just look at certain areas like this is where I'm going to be good. Mm-hmm. I'm, let's say I'm go- looking low and away. Mm-hmm. And, and if he goes inside, he wins. I mean, is that how you approach right. today? I mean, how does a hitter even, uh, you know, how, how do they survive? What's, what's sort of a good approach for a hitter? You, you know, I mean, over the years, you know, we've tried to figure out, I mean, obviously it's about how you're moving as a hitter, right? So now you're talking about the dreaded word of mechanics, which I don't use that word. I, you know, I'm, I'm more about how you're moving. You know, what, are, what? how does your body move? How do you sequence as far as being on time? Uh, and then how do you stay in that positive frame of mind even when you don't feel that good? So I've kind of... Um, gone a little bit to looking at your strength, right? So if I work with a, a hitter long, I, there's kind of those areas like, and, and you had it, right? You had that one spot. It's like, man, if they throw it in that one spot, I, I hit that pretty consistent. I have ever since I was 12 years old, you know, like that down and in or that up and away or whatever it was, you kind of had your spot and then you kind of battled on all the other locations. And so kind of what we've done is, is we look at, we build towards the strength of drivable pitches, Right. We're looking to do some damage. Um, And then as from a young player development, you know, all the talk about launch angle, exit velocities, you know, all the things that are out there from an analytic standpoint. I kind of look at it and say, okay, let's look at your average exit velocity. You know, and I can kind of judge exit velocity. I don't have to have a gun out there. Like you go watch 10 kids hit. You're like, that kid hits the ball really hard. That kid hits the ball hard some. That kid's kind of soft, but he makes contact. Okay, well, there's all there's room for all those guys to play, but if I got that soft contact guy, then then I want his I want his exit velocity or his launch angle to be between 10 and 15, which means a nice little line drive over the over the infielders' heads. Now you've got that that kid that's a little more developed. He's a little more physical. Maybe he's physical in in in, in stature and athleticism, but then you've got the other 12 or 13 year old that's not quite there. I mean. My best friend growing up was Don Demeter's son. Well, when we were we were one year apart, so when I was in seventh grade and he was in eighth grade, I was four foot ten and he was six two. Right? He weighed 180. I weighed 88. You know, and we were best friends. We competed all the time together. We played in the backyard. We played on same little league teams. We did everything together. Well, that's a big difference just physically of what it was. But I gotta compete. I'm out competing, same thing he's competing. You know, so so that's always been part of it. So I'm I'm all about being a good hitter first. 
let's be a good hitter first and let's learn the other aspects of it. A little more drive as you get going. Uh, and that, that happens whether it's a major league or not. Kyle Seeger came to the major leagues, had not hit home runs at North Carolina, didn't hit home runs in the minor leagues, made his started getting to a point that he was so consistent on defense. He was a good contact hitter. Um, and I was able to step in and teach him to hit for power. So he spent the next 10 years in the big leagues averaging 25 homers a year and somebody who had never hit home runs growing up. You know, so it can happen. So I, even when I'm talking to scouts, I'm like, bring in those good hitters, and we can teach the extra parts of the game. Now, the competition can go up. The command, you know, the, the strength of what they're going to face obviously is going to continue to elevate. Um, but we kind of don't worry about what they're doing and think more about what we're doing. Would you say it's fair? I've seen you work with a number of hitters, uh, you know, I, I, you know, professional hitters, little guys, everything else. I feel like, you know, kind of what you focus on is almost quieting movements more so than building in those movements. When I see guys online, I see guys really looking to like, hey, man, we added 10 miles an hour to bat speed to this guy. Right. And in, in ways I almost like envy the martial arts system, how they teach, uh, you know, somebody. They're not trying to teach a kid a roundhouse kick on day one. Right. They're trying to get a stance down. Like yeah. You don't go to number two. You don't get that next belt until we've got some of these fundamentals. And I kind of look at the way you teach sometimes as we need to be bit making contact. You know what I mean? We need yeah. to be making consistent contact on, you know, our first read out of the hand and then our second read. Oh, it's a breaking ball. Right. Can we still barrel that? Right. And then, you know, like you said, you can add a little gas to the fire from there. No doubt. Um, but do you think that's fair where you say like you kind of like a more balanced approach than the sellout swing. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's no question. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you in the most efficient position and the most confident position when you're standing. I think if I was going to, you know, like what's your most important thing? I think if you brought in the early guys I worked with and I was fortunate to, to step in there, but then all of a sudden, you know, I had a Raul Abanez on our team in Seattle who was in his 22nd year. This guy was a, premier hitter for 20 years and he's DHing for us and he's like Mike I want to get better this is unbelievable like blew me away and when I started doing some things he's like I don't I don't hit the ball down as well as I hit the ball up you know what can we you know is there something you think you can do and so we started kind of well only thing we started doing is we started formulating uh, a different drill set that changed kind of his focus on what he was trying to accomplish in his preparation all of a sudden, he hits 29 homers as a 41-year-old, right? Tied Ted Williams's age to record homers, you know. And 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 so he made these these adjustments. But it was, you know, we started building on what he already knew. And that's another thing. I, I you know, it's nice to have. I love multi-sport athletes that kind of have a lot of experience in a lot of different things because every sport teaches us something different when it comes to body movement and stuff like that. Now hitting. We all know the most difficult thing in athletics. I don't think anybody hands down would say any different. I mean, other than NFL quarterback, I, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff going on there that is maybe the toughest job in all of professional sports. Right. But hitting definitely is right tucked in there as number two, I would think. But, um, you know, so that's that's been the experience. So, and for me, but it's almost like – Let's understand, let's get more efficient how we move, but let's also, let's don't lose the, the backyard wiffle ball thought either. 
you know, where you're just like, I'm up your head. I'm going to try to hit it over the house. Right. right? I mean, yeah. you're not trying to hit a ground ball and wiffle ball. Like we're going to try to hit it over the house or over the street or over whatever we're doing. Right. It's everybody. Like the whole neighborhood's trying to hit it over the house. You know, every girl who's playing is trying to hit it. over. You know, so I, I want to keep that feeling of it um, when it comes to the game and the competition side of it. But yet, if you're not confident standing up there and you don't feel like you can move out of that and you feel like, you know, okay, then we need to address that. I need to put you in a position to give you a little more confidence, just a little more stability. You know, and as the kids get going and they start throwing harder, yeah, there's a chance you're going to get hit with the ball. I mean, you know, and that it, it does not feel good and it, it, it's not fun at all. But yet, you know, what's the risk reward to what we're doing? So, but I, I want that, uh, you know, I really want the player to maintain the joy of playing and, and being a player and, and that type of thing. But we, you know, like this last couple of years, we've really talked about. Uh, I read a great book, um, and I can't recall the name off. The, the guy was a, was a chess champion, and then he became a taekwondo champion later on but he talked a lot about when am i ahead when am i even when am i down on the chessboard right i mean you're not trying to go for the queen when he's got five pieces or eight pieces and you got three you're just trying to get the board back to even so i think hitting sometimes is that can we just get to an even spot to go compete maybe i'm not at a great advantage i'm like man this kid's big he throws hard that's everybody right they're saying the same thing about facing randy johnson or, or facing Chris Sale or, you know, somebody's like, this is intimidating what they can do. But we get back to, you know, how do we compete? That's where it kind of goes to the windows where we talk about where he throw strikes. I'm going to kind of attack that spot. Yeah. No, it's always fascinating to hear you kind of break down how, how you, how, how someone would approach a big league pitcher like that. Like here's the trap spots, right? Here's a spot where people are hitting 100. Do not yeah. chase it. It's a strike. Don't chase it. You Even if I mean? you're looking for it, you ain't hitting it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Like here's where here's where we're working today. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, yeah, just simplifying that as a hitter is excellent. And so um, I'm gonna take this moment right here and just share. It took a little bit of convincing uh, to get Mike to share some of his work. Obviously, his experience is you know is just top one percent. And we put a program together. Logan, his son. Mike, myself, and it's on the Baseball Notes website. There should be a link around here somewhere if you're on your phone um, or wherever you're listening to, baseballnotes.com. And it kind of shows sort of a progression. We've got it, um, you know, broken down into, you know, as simple as you could possibly follow it, right? We've got the beginning section of the stance. Mike likes to call it like the stacking the body, then moving the body, shaping, and then finishing the swing. And so we've got a bunch of drills, sort of Mike's philosophy on how to accomplish that. And um, anyway, I know Mike doesn't want me sharing this in front of him, but um, it's just really, just really excellent teaching. And it really makes a, helps a player to force them into positions uh, so they can feel what it's supposed to be like. Um, Mike's worked in Taiwan and Dominican Republic. A lot of guys that, uh, you know, I don't think you speak that language very well, do you? you no, do you I wish. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. But, yeah, but no. so, so, he, so he's had to teach a lot of people uh, without using words. And so that's developed his technique. Um, probably more than he anticipated on, you know, using a drill and letting some demonstrating it and letting someone follow in and be like, Oh, that's the movement we're after. And, um, I, I've firsthand seen it and uh, actually put me through it one time on accident. You'll see, uh, if you check out the, the course I was there, we're supposed to have a minor leaguer going to grab one of his minor league guys and they all took off early. <laughs> uh, so Mike put me through it and I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't swung in 15 years. And I was like, Oh my God, this is good. Like, yeah. How did I not run into it? It worked this out drill? great. I thought, yeah, it turned out fine. I didn't embarrass myself too bad. So, uh, but anyway, but going through it was like, wow, like very clean movements. Like you said, very, um, 
just felt quick, able to get to other positions and not just snap the ball over. But uh, anyway, if you want to check that out, check out the website, baseballnotes.com. Uh, reach out to us, and uh, you can check that out. It's really, I, I recommend you do that. So anyway, quick rapid fire before we wrap it up here. Uh, we'll have to do a, a part two and part three because there's – 20 more questions I've got for you, but we'll, okay, we'll yeah. save it for another time. Yeah, but, let's do it. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of questions a lot of kids will ask. Mike, what is your favorite ballpark, whether you've played in or whether you've visited? Um, and you can even expand that to the favorite city. Hmm. You know, um, I was fortunate, you know, I, the 14 years there, I spent parts of eight years at the major league level. So I, I, I played in a lot of minor league parks for sure. Um, but I was fortunate coming up is I mean, I first, my first experience in the major league was Wrigley Field, right? I mean, that's a pretty special place. And then I was able to play in Old Tiger Stadium, which was another historic building. Um, and then I went to Boston for two years, you know, which playing in Fenway Park, right? I mean, that's just a, a, a dream. Being able to play in the old Yankee Stadium, um, I mean, I love the new ones, so cool, but the old one had a different feel to it. Um, you know, you know, Anaheim was always like later on when I went back from a coaching standpoint, I mean, I was with Anaheim in 02, right? The world championship run that city and that, how that was all played out at the time was just incredible. So, you know, and then I got to play in the kingdom, right? And then I oh, coached yeah. in Safeco. So I got both those ballparks and then going to Houston, I played in the old Astrodome, which was a you know, historic building to say the least, and then coached in the new one. You know, so, um, so I've got to see a lot of transition. I mean, I played in the old Baltimore Park, which was you know, the old Oriole Field or whatever it was, and then to see the new Camden Yard. So, you know, through the coaching and playing, I got to see a lot of the new parks coming in and, and obviously uh, coming up in the minor leagues. Um, Major League Baseball, and, and, and we've just done – better making the facilities better for kids to play i think i think partly because these college situations i mean if you play in the big 12 let's say man you go out and see the facilities it's ridiculous i mean ut where i went i mean it's just it's totally different and it's incredible go down to baylor go to tcu it's like all these facilities are just off the chart wichita state where you know eric wedge is there i'm like i see videos i'm like my gosh that's just you know so it, it's a big step down to get into pro ball you know, now all of a sudden you're playing in some of these old parks and some of these they don't keep very good track of and they're not that clean. And, you know, so you got some uh, – I, so I, there were some fun minor league parks. I played in the old War Memorial Stadium in Buffalo. Okay. Which is, you know, the old school deal. And it was just like what you'd think it would be. And uh, they actually filmed the natural in there the year – one of the years I was playing in that league. So, you know, so I guess um, – you know, obviously Wrigley probably holds a, a, a real special place for me. Uh, you know, obviously being my first time and, and being Chicago and, and just that fan base and, you know, wh who they are. As, and, and then Boston is just extreme fans and people and, and, and just the hype behind it all. Uh, but to be able to go to Tampa and Miami and, you know, and seeing San Francisco, Camden, and, of course, Dodger Stadium, you know, there you go. I mean, there, it's just there's so many things to see you know, going, going through it. But I, I guess, I guess Wrigley and, and, and Fenway were probably pretty special. I, you know, I wish I would have played better in a couple spots, but you know, <laughs> but the overall experience, I got my first hit, my first major league hit was in Wrigley field and my last major league hit was in Wrigley field. So I kind of started to stop the whole thing there. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's yeah. A cool little, uh, yeah. I hit a home run in uh 95 with Houston uh, in a 
possible playoff situation. I hit a 12th inning homer to put us ahead, uh, and we lost in the bottom of the 12th. We were headed for a one-game playoff with Colorado that year. If we'd have won, we got eliminated. And so uh, I think the next day uh, I got uh, I got another pinch hit later, or maybe later, a couple of days later, and made an out. But my actual last major league hit was a home run in Wrigley. So that was, you know, that's kind of cool. Ah, very cool. Yeah. And a couple of things, uh, when, when you said the step down from college to pro ball, uh, I played Oh five and six in the South Atlantic league. And, uh, it was kind of a hit and miss. There was some really oh, nice yeah. ballparks. No doubt. And it's kind of funny looking back on it now. The terrible ones were kind of like look at, at the fondest. I hated it at the time, but like it, there was a Atlantic. couple of Asheville in there. I, I, I loved Asheville. Right. I mean, that's I a crazy. Asheville. I mean, that's like like Jackie Robinson played there. That that's, was my favorite. So did Babe Ruth, I think. It's not like necessarily the most modern oh ballpark, God. but it's just cool. Pretty. Two hundred feet, two fifty down the line. Yeah, and, they had a, and, what, how, uh, how tall that right field wall. Oh, it's was. it's it's probably higher than uh, than than Fenway. Than Hagerstown, Maryland was another – I don't even know the shape yeah. that you would call that field. It wasn't a diamond. Yeah. I mean, it was like left yeah. field was like 450. Oh, there was uh, – yeah. And, uh, anyway, but all those those parks were – Oh, I know, can go through some so stories funny. there. But, Waterbury, uh, Connecticut had, had a track running through the outfield. In fact, we one time they had a track meet on a day game we were playing there. We had to open the fence up. The runners came through, and then we closed the fence and continued to play. Uh, that's incredible. So, I mean, yeah, you see some crazy stuff. That's funny. We'll have to talk more about that. But uh, All right, one more rapid question. These aren't, aren't as rapid. These are fun to talk about. So um, who is the toughest pitcher that you faced? Mike Mussina. Oh, boom. That was oh, quick. Oh, God. Just miserable. He, he, and I got to face – I mean, I, I had a hard time with a lot of guys, to be honest with you. <laughs> but to have no chance whatsoever is what I felt like facing Mike Mussina. I, I don't – you know, uh, my first year, I mean, there was an old – the old, old guy. I mean, I don't know how old he was at the time, but it was, it was Rick Russell. Yeah. Who pitched in like – he broke in like 68 or something. He's with the Giants. So, I'm facing him. He – he made me look bet worse than I really was, but his stuff wasn't anything scary. You know what I mean? Musina, uh, I, I just everything he had was tough, and I I was forced. I you know I got to face, you know, Clemens, and and uh, I guess I I got to face. I guess I I should say I had to face him, but you know, Clemens, Randy Johnson, uh, you know, Brett Saberhagen. I mean, they're you know Dwight Gooden. You know, there's some really special guys that I got to face, uh, some Hall of Fame closers, you know, like all that stuff. Even though better than my career was, I got to experience a lot for some reason. But but Musina really, uh, just everything about what he did. He was hard to pick up. He had a couple of different fastballs. He had a couple of different breaking balls. He had a nasty changeup. He could cut it. He could sink it. He could four-seam it. I, I just thought it was important, you know, and, and impossible for me. And But I'll say, I will say this, Bill Miller, right, I mean, 10 years in the big leagues, lifetime 290, you know, got the huge hit off of Mario Rivera, you know, with the Red Sox to drive in the, the, the big turnaround runs. And so he was a great hitter, right? So Billy and I are together in 14 with the Cubs as the hitting. I was his assistant, right? Uh-huh. So we're sitting in the cage one day just like this, telling stories. And and uh, and so I asked Billy that question. I said, who's it? Because he was great. He won a bat American League batting title. Yeah. I mean, this guy was legit, you know, like nothing like me. Yeah. And so, uh, so I asked him, I said, who's the toughest you ever face? He goes, Mike Mussina. <laughs> I, my eyes about fell out, you know, and I said, me too. I said, of course, he was like, you know, he, he faced him a lot. Like he was like, I think he's told me, he said, like, I was one for 30 off of him or something. He goes, 
he, he tore me up too, but you know, I didn't have those numbers, but it was just as, as just as tough, you know, but so I felt better, you know, once he, <laughs> once he said that, but uh, yeah, he was, uh, he, he was something. I mean, it was, uh, now I faced some couple closers that I didn't feel like I had a real good chance against too, but um, that's fascinating. But Mike Lucina not, was filthy. Yeah, not a guy I would have thought you said. You're not a physically imposing guy. No. It just didn't seem like, you know, crafty. Not God, good, but I mean, I know. be tough on everybody. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole Kansas City staff, some of the early years, you know, they had they were all stacked up there with, you know, Mark Gubazals and, you know, all these names that, you know, it was like facing Atlanta back then. And, you know, and I was fortunate I got to play, you know, play behind Maddox and Clemens and some of those guys. And, but uh, yeah, he 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 was really. I didn't feel like I had a chance against him at all, you know. So it was like, mm. and of course I'm going to get that game right because whoever I'm playing for probably didn't hit him either. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden, you know, those starters back in the day, you know, I was a utility guy in the big leagues for those years, and you know, the starters. I'll be honest with you, they're they're not bailing out on the guy that they hit really good. Right. You know, but their back's a little sore sometimes, or you know, their shoulders sore. All of a sudden, you know, Randy's Johnson's pitching or Clemens is pitching, and. You know, that's I, a might, real, I might need a day, Coach. Yeah, that's a real deal. I, I think I'll be all right. Maybe just one day I'll be okay. Hey, by the way, who's pitching? Oh, oh really? Yeah, Randy Johnson. Like, yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, hey, Brum, you, you got yeah, to you're in the there. Place today. Yeah, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I hadn't had a bat in seven days. I'm going to face the guy who's leading the league in ERA, you know? Yeah. But, um, you yeah, know, so those are some real challenges. And, yeah, and that goes back to, you know, that's my embracement of the situation. I'm like, you know what? You can't get out of it. So you might as well get into it. So I'm just going to go – I'm going to try to do, you know – my best, you know, my best effort, try not to, my biggest thing was don't, don't mess up the game defensively. That's where you can really get in trouble, <laughs> right? If you're a starter in the big leagues, you know, you're going to make, ah, shortstop's going to make 10, 12, 14 errors a year, maybe, especially on the back then, the surfaces weren't as good as they are now, I don't think. But, um, but you, you make an error as a utility guy, you know, your one spot start, it just doesn't go well at all. For the, you know, maybe we could do without that guy. Yeah, the coaching staff's like, why are we playing him? Right. <laughs> it's like, um, but, uh, yeah, so those are some real, you know, we really want to get into the challenges of playing off the bench at that level. I mean, those are those are definitely true. Oh, for sure. We'll have to talk about that one next time. But uh, all right, well, we're going to wrap it up today. I know we uh, you got some things to, to run off to here, so I appreciate you taking the time with me today. And uh, again, you can find Baseball Notes on social medias, the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, baseballnotes.com. If you want to find out more about Mike's program, you want to kind of see about his teachings, uh, him and his son Logan are, are doing some really good things, and I, I highly advise you to check it out. So, Mike, I appreciate you being here with us. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, check those out, and uh, have a good day, y'all.